Hello and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 152. I am your host, Noah Roshetta. Today, I'm going to talk about a liberated state of mind. As always, keep in mind you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learn to just be a better whatever you already are. If you're interested in learning more about Buddhism, check out my book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, available on Amazon, or start out with the first five episodes of the podcast. You can find those first five episodes easily by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the Start Here link. If you're looking for a community to practice with and to interact with, consider becoming a patron by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking the link to join our community. Quick note about the community. As you may have noticed, it's been uh, over a month now since I posted the last uh, podcast episode. So while the podcast episode itself isn't exactly a weekly thing, it happens as often as I can make it happen, the online community is more regular, and there is a weekly discussion that we have every Sunday, Sundays at noon, Mountain Standard Time, we have a Zoom call and we talk about concepts and ideas very similar to the concepts that I present in the podcast. And aside, uh, rather than just being uh, like the podcast where it's just me talking, the Zoom call allows for a whole group of people to interact and discuss these exact concepts that I talk about in the podcast. And we do this every week. So I do want to emphasize that while the podcast hasn't been as regular as it uh, normally is. The online community is, and we are doing our weekly calls there every Sunday. If that's something that sounds interesting or beneficial to you, you can learn more about that by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on that link to join the online community. All right, with that said, I do want to um, jump in on the topic that I've selected for this podcast episode. Uh, I guess really quickly before Starting with the podcast topic, uh, I do want to address the fact that I, I have been away from the podcast for a little while. As many of you know uh, from the recent podcast episodes, after um, my friend Dustin passed away and then my my dad passed away shortly after that, I took a little break, a little break from everything, really, uh, not just the podcast, but from teaching paragliding. Um, from all of my normal daily routine stuff, I just took a long break. I needed to kind of take a breather, um, hit the reset button, so to speak. And that's what I've been doing. That's, that's why you haven't seen a podcast episode in a while, but I am back on the horse now doing all of my normal routines. This is the first podcast episode in a while. Uh, tomorrow I start a new paragliding training course where I'm teaching, four or five new students. So in many ways, I'm getting totally back into the routine of things. And the break uh, was very useful. It served the exact purpose that I hoped it would. It felt like a reset and it felt like giving myself a little bit of time and space to uh, gather my thoughts and to just be with the uh, emotional experiences that I was having with uh, this new chapter of life where I don't have my dad uh, I no longer have my friend, one of my close flying buddies. Uh, it's just a new chapter, and I wanted to give it space between that phase that ended and this new one that's beginning. You know, that's why 
in the podcast episode first and last, uh, we're always navigating that space between the first of something and the last of something. And I wanted a little bit of space between those, uh, the last and, and this, this new first. So I just wanted to address that. Uh, but I am happy to be back. I'm excited to uh, get back into this routine where I'm thinking about topics that I want to discuss in the podcast and then taking the time to sit and record those thoughts. So that's what I want to do today. And the topic that's been weighing on my mind uh, is the topic of liberation. And I think a part of why is probably because the time of year uh, here in the United States, we celebrate uh, Independence Day. Uh, it's about freedom. And it gets me thinking, well, what is freedom, especially in the Buddhist context? You know, liberation is a key word in Buddhist practice. It's kind of uh, the reason that that, that you practice. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about this. I have done podcast episodes in the past addressing the concept of liberation, of freedom, of nirvana, uh, enlightenment. All of these are somewhat on, along the same topic. And I did a podcast episode about the three doors of liberation. I kind of want to revisit that in today's podcast episode. The notion of liberation and three quotes that correlate to these three doors or three ideas. So I guess what I want to get at is if we're thinking about liberation in the context of Buddhism, um, I want you to keep in mind these three quotes, three quotes that I consider to be pretty profound and, and life-changing when you really get to the depth of what the implications are behind these three quotes. So the quotes are these. The first one is, this is because that is. The second one, the symbol of a thing is not the same as the thing itself. And the third one, having no destination, I am never lost. I know I've talked about all of these uh, three quotes at some point in some podcast episode in the past, but I want to bring them all together today in the context of the teaching of the three doors of liberation. So the three doors of liberation in Buddhism are no self, no form, and no goal. These three doors of liberation are often referred to as emptiness, signlessness, and aimlessness. So I want to go through each of these again expressing my perspective on it now. So the, the, the key idea here is that meditating on these three concepts, we begin to see a reality that is a bit more skillful. You know, we're always navigating the duality of reality as it is and reality as we think it is. And exploring the notion of these three doors, entering through these three doors or meditating on these three concepts is a way of interacting more skillfully with reality. So what happens is we start to experience the reality of impermanence without the fear or anxiety that is so common to those who are confronted with the reality of impermanence. Think of liberation not as a destination, a place that we're trying to strive to reach. Think of it more as a state of mind, a state of mind that is available to us right here and right now. And one of the ways to um, achieve this state of mind is to ponder or enter these three doors of liberation. When we fully understand the reality of emptiness, signlessness, and aimlessness, we become liberated from the type of thinking that has us trapped in the prison of our own mind, which is the prison of, 
of the conditioned mind. So let's just jump into this a little bit. The first quote, this is because that is. This to me is the quote that expresses the notion of emptiness. And this is about understanding interdependence. You know, the fact that a flower is made up of all non-flower elements, right? You don't have the flower if you don't have soil, rain, sun. You don't have rain without clouds. You don't have clouds without the sun causing the uneven uh, heating of the earth's surface. And all of these non-flower elements suddenly become the, the reason why there is a flower. That can be a really powerful understanding of the nature of reality, especially in the context of what this means to uh, about self and the idea of no self. So you can ask yourself, really at any given moment, who am I or what am I? And I've recently been thinking a lot about my past memories. Uh, after my dad passed away, I, I spent, um, well, during the, the stage that he was passing away, I spent um, quite a bit of time at home with my mom and with my brothers. And we would look through boxes of pictures and it was fun to reminisce the memories of growing up. And we had pictures of all kinds of different memories and different places and doing different things. And it was interesting to me to look through some of these pictures and every now and then see a picture where I have no recollection of where that was or what we were doing. It's almost like seeing a picture of yourself that you don't quite recognize as you because you don't remember that place. And it got me thinking about memories in general. You know, we all have memories and memories uh, fade. Uh, older memories get replaced by newer memories. And, and that's just the nature of how the mind works. We don't have the ability to retain every single memory of every single thing we've ever done. So certain ones that are important kind of become like our core memories and other ones fade away into the abyss of the black hole of memories, I guess, in the mind. And it's always interesting to me to see uh, or to be reminded of a memory that I don't remember. And this will happen um, with my, it's, I'm kind of in a unique position being a twin. My twin brother and I have slightly different memories of different events um, or altogether different memories. Like I'll remember something that he'll, he'll be like, I don't recall that at all or vice versa. Or we'll even have memories where uh, he's sure that it was him doing this or that. And I'm sure that it was me who was doing it and he was the one watching and vice versa. And I always found that to be pretty fascinating because what does that say about, you know, the sense of identity? I, I, I can identify with a memory that I have, but it might not even be my memory. It may have been his memory and it's been shared enough to where I made it my memory, but I didn't have that experience. Um, so it's just a, a fun way for me to remember this notion of no self. What am I if not my memories? And if those memories were to go away, then who am I? So I, I like entertaining this question of who am I? And this, uh, to me, reminds me of the quote that uh, I've shared many times before, the Pablo Picasso quote where he says, when I was a child, my mother said to me, if you become a soldier, you will be a general. If you become a monk, you will end up as the Pope. Instead, I became a painter and wound up as Picasso. I love that quote because what it insinuates to me is 
there is no way, there is no right way for me to be. There's always just going to be uh, the freedom of me being me, the me that I am now. And in the same way that Pablo Picasso became the painter Pablo Picasso, it's because he was trying to be him. He, he wasn't trying to be something else or someone else. And there's a sense of freedom that arises, sense of liberation that arises when we recognize this concept of no self, this concept of emptiness, that I don't have a way that I need to be, um, and much less a right way or a wrong way. There's just me. It's the me that I am. And for me, there's a lot of liberation in allowing myself to be the me that I am. And again, I've insinuated this in other podcast episodes, the, the liberation of being having a healthy relationship with whatever the circumstances are that I'm in, whatever emotions I'm experiencing, whatever feelings I'm thoughts I'm having, all of these things, right? That is the essence of emptiness, the essence of uh, no self. So think of emptiness in the sense that emptiness is always empty of something. So we ourselves are only empty of one thing, a separate, independent existence. You know, that's what I'm empty of, which allows me to be full of interdependent and connection with everything that's not me in the same way that the flower is completely empty of a separate existence from sun and rain and and clouds and dirt. I am also uh, completely empty of a separate self, but I am full of the connection uh, to all the things that are not me. The memories that I have instigated by other people, interactions with other people, the um, genetic makeup that I have that comes from other people, the societal and cultural norms that I've adopted that come from other people, the food that I eat and the water that I drink that comes from other places and other things. Uh, All of these non-me elements make me the me that I am. So I'm empty of a separate, independent self. And that's that's emptiness. It doesn't mean I don't exist. It means I don't exist the, the way that sometimes it feels like I might exist, like I exist separate of everything. I don't. I exist connected to everything. And, and the expression, this is because that is. So that's the quote that embodies the first teaching, the first door of liberation. When I uh, internalize this teaching that this is because that is, I can look at anything And I can ask myself, this is because that is. What is this and what is that? And I'll see causes and conditions. So this is because that is, is the first one. All right, so now let's jump into the next one. And that is uh, signlessness, or also sometimes referred to as no form. And the quote that I selected that I think goes with this teaching is, the symbol of a thing is not the same as the thing itself. A symbol marks the appearance of something, its form. We recognize things based on their symbol, but we're often fooled uh, by conflating the symbol and the thing that it symbolizes. The Buddha said, where there is a sign, there is deception. And I like this. I want to expand a little bit on this notion. Uh, An example I use often in referring to Uh, seeing something and recognizing that the something isn't the thing that we think it is, I use the analogy of the car. A car is very much a thing, and yet if you were to take the car and disassemble it into all of its parts, you can't go and just pick out, oh, here it is, this is the car, because the car is all of it, 
right? It's the steering wheel and the wheels and the motor and the gas tank and the windows and the cloth on the seats that you sit on. It's all of it. And that is a crucial perspective to have to understand the idea of no form. Another example that's uh, used often is the example of a cloud. You know, if you look at a cloud long enough, you perceive this thing that becomes cloud. Cloud is the symbol, the idea that we give it, the label that we give it. That is the symbol. But the cloud isn't something that's there and then it's gone. The symbol can be gone, right? If you look at a cloud long enough and it, it slowly dissipates, the cloud is gone. The symbol is what's gone. But the thing that behind it, you know, the symbol and the thing are not the same, is not gone. The cloud turns into mist. It can turn into rain. It can turn into, it can evaporate. It can be a lot of things, but it's not ever gone. It's only changed into a new form. And that is a very powerful uh, uh, reality, perspective on reality, that a cloud isn't really gone. It's only changed. And when we see things in this perspective, the way we see a cloud, uh, you know, the way you look at a flower, the way you look at, um, you, you start to see the cloud in everything. That cloud that turned into rain is now watering the flower and that flower is being pollinated by the bees and, or, or, or eaten by the goat and whatever it is, right? Like all of these things are now connected to that cloud, but the symbol of the cloud, um, was not the same thing as the cloud itself. The label and, and the thing that, that we label, those are two different things. So I think that's another very important thing to keep in mind. To me, recognizing that form changes, but nothing is lost. That is the essence of the teaching of the second door of liberation, which is no form or signlessness. There is no sign. There's only the thing. It's like recognizing there is no symbol there's what it what is being symbolized, and they're not the same thing. Okay, so that's the second door. The third door is aimlessness or no goal. And this is where I used the quote, having no destination, I am never lost. Now, what is the object of your pursuit? For many people, uh, we pursue happiness. But this is the key teaching here. What if there is no object of pursuit? What if there is no aim for anything? Well, at once you would be liberated and free to simply experience everything life is throwing at you just as it is in the moment. Uh, I often think of, of life as my opportunity to experience everything. Almost like um, I'm playing a game of bingo, or, you know, where you have those cards in front of you. And when a certain... When the number's called, you you put a, a chip or something on there. You're like, okay, I, I got that one. But it's not numbers, it's experiences. So imagine this card placed in front of you with an infinite number of scenarios. And one, one little square might say, um, feel sorrow. Another one might say, experience a flat tire on the road. Another one might say, experience the joy of becoming a parent. Uh, whatever it is, right? These are the experiences that as as they arise, I can put my little chip on the bingo card. I'm like, oh, okay, I've experienced that now. I actually like to see my life in that lens. And this makes it so that any experience that arises, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, 
I almost have a sense of joy that co-arises with it. So like, okay, I've experienced that now. And I felt that recently with, um, you know, with the strong emotions that I was feeling when my dad passed away and when my friend unexpectedly passed away, it's like, okay, wow, this is extremely difficult. I'm feeling very strong emotions, but a part of me is saying, but that's what life is, right? It's, it's crossing off. Okay. Well, I've experienced that now. And I, for some reason, I like that perspective. I think it makes it more enjoyable as I come across all the things that I'm going to experience. It's kind of like I mentioned with the game of Tetris, right? That life is like a game of Tetris. The goal in that game is to keep going. And in Buddhism, uh, this is kind of like the expression of the path is the goal, uh, right? Uh, you know, if, if I have a goal, um, but I realize the path itself is the goal, that's aimlessness. It's, I don't have anywhere to be because being is the goal. Uh, wherever I am, that's exactly where I needed to be because the path itself is the goal. Now, sometimes when we when we talk about this concept and... Um, and we think about this in the context of Buddhism, people will bring up the notion that, well, you know, if, if I'm aimless, am I going to lose my ambition, the ambition to strive for this or strive for that? Like, do you just end up sitting there totally empty of any kind of ambition to do anything? And uh, it's like we're taught to think that if we're aimless, we're, we won't get anywhere. But there's there's uh, profound wisdom in asking yourself, but where where am I going? Like, where do you need to be? In my experience, it's not so much that we lose a sense of ambition; it's that the ambition gets redirected to more skillful things. Um, it takes ambition to not want to be ambitious, right? Like, there's no escaping ambition. It takes it's like wanting to not want things. Well, then you're still stuck wanting. So, when we take on a practice like Buddhism, uh, we don't necessarily lose ambition. I think it just gets refocused and redirected. Things that didn't matter suddenly matter and uh, and vice versa. It, again, in my experience, that's how it is. Um, I used to have ambition for things that now I'd look at and say, nope, I have no desire for that anymore. But I now desire other things that I had never considered before. Uh, for example, desiring to just experience the full range of whatever life is going to throw my way. That's been a much more skillful ambition than the one I had before. That was to experience more of the um, pleasant things in life and less of the unpleasant. That wasn't a very skillful ambition because, again, life is like Tetris and you can't control all those pieces. And you are going to experience difficult things. Um, again, using my dad as the analogy here, it was a pretty... A uh, profound experience to go through the strong emotions of loss of someone so that I was so close to, without the aversion to the unpleasantness of those emotions. In other words, leading up to my dad's passing, I wasn't afraid, or I wasn't feeling aversion to the strong feelings that I was feeling. I knew that when the time came, I would feel tremendous loss. Uh, I knew that I was going to feel strong emotions and cry. And that was fine. I was totally okay with whatever I was going to feel 
where before I think I would have had a hint of aversion towards these things. I don't want to feel sad. I don't want to cry in front of people. I don't want to, you know, and that only makes it worse. So again, this notion of aimlessness in that context is that there's no way that I need to be. I don't need to look strong. I can look weak and just cry my eyes out. And that's totally fine because that's what I'm feeling right now. There's a huge sense of liberation that arises with that perspective. Whatever it is I'm experiencing, that's what I'm experiencing. And there's no clinging to one thing and aversion from the other. It's like, nope, I'm just allowing myself to experience all of it. So um, another thing that I noticed hanging out with my family the last uh, several weeks before uh, before and during the time that my dad passed away, um, well, looking through these boxes of photos, and recognizing that there's sometimes a part of us that looks back longing to a time in the past that we view as the good old days, right? The, the good old days, whatever they, whatever that means. But there's also a sense of liberation that arises and recognizing that right now we're living the good old days that we'll one day look back on. That's what the present moment can be for a lot of us. And, uh, it can feel good to recognize one day uh, I know that I'll look back on this specific stage of life and I'm going to treasure the memories that I created, you know, when I was with my mom and my brothers and we were going through the the stage of my dad passing away as unpleasant and difficult as that stage was, I was able to recognize in that moment that these are some of the good old days that one day I'll look back on when my mom is passing or when, if my brothers pass away or, or, or any other future moment that will cause me to long for this present moment. Okay. So when I recognize there is nowhere else to be, there's only here and now, um, and that this is just, I'm perfectly content with being here and now, that is what arises uh, the sense of liberation in the context of aimlessness. So wrapping things up on this overall topic, as, all, as Alan Watts would say, you are a function of what the whole universe is doing in the same way that a wave is a function of what the whole ocean is doing. He goes on to say, uh, we do not come into this world, we come out of it. As leaves come out of a tree, as the ocean waves, the universe peoples. Every individual is an expression of the whole realm of nature, a unique action of the total universe, close quote. For me, aimlessness is to understand deeply that there is no way that I need to be. There's just this complete liberation in understanding that I can simply be just as I am. And it's it's like the art of befriending ourselves just as we are, which again is a notion that's common in Buddhism. And uh, I like uh, I'd like to wrap this up with the uh, another Alan Watts quote where he says, "The only part of you that needs fixing." is the part of you that thinks it needs to be fixed. That, to me, is the essence of freedom in the context of aimlessness. So we have these three profound ideas, the three doors of liberation in Buddhism. Um, No self, no form, no goal, or emptiness, signlessness, and aimlessness. However you want to think about that. Or think of the quotes. This is because that is. The other one is the symbol of a thing is not the same as the thing itself. The last one, having no destination, I am never lost. 
I hope you'll take these concepts and think about them in your day-to-day lives over the coming weeks and see how it makes you feel. If you feel this sense of liberation that arises from having these perspectives and and seeing the world or seeing reality in this light. I'm glad to be back. I'm looking forward to exploring more topics and concepts and sharing them here on the podcast. And I want to thank you all for your patience and giving me space over the last several weeks and months as I've uh, been going through the uh, notions and the the processes, the ups and downs of uh, dealing with the Tetris pieces that life uh, is throwing my way and the ones that I've recently put them into their places on the Tetris game so that I can keep going. I'm very grateful to be uh, living the life that I'm living and to have the connections and the uh, friendships that I have. And several of you um, who have reached out over the years, who have been podcast listeners, have become friends of mine. And I'm grateful for each of you. You all know who you are. Thanks again for everything. And we'll connect again. See you next time. And have a great week.